I'm wondering if you have ever gotten a song stuck in your head. Anyone? So you're, yeah, he has. Yeah, so this is how it goes. So you're driving to work or to school, maybe even to church this morning, and there's this catchy tune that comes on the radio, and you start singing it, and then you leave your car, and you're still singing it, and then you get to church, or you get to, yeah, maybe a church, maybe you're still singing it. You sit down to take that test or write that report at work that's really important. You're trying to focus, and the song comes back. Or you sit down to lunch with your friend, and you're trying really hard to focus, and the stupid song comes back. You lay down to sleep at night, and you're like, I'm finally done, and the stupid song comes back. <laughs> may not be stupid. It may be a really good song, but have you ever gotten a song stuck in your head? Recently in my world, the songs that get stuck in my head come from a really popular singer. Maybe you've heard of her. Dora the Explorer, <laughs> yes, she's a big hit in the toddler world with our Lillian. So the song that gets stuck on repeat in my mind goes something like, D-D-Dora, D-D-Dora, have you heard it? It's really good, yep. <laughs> I think there's some kind of law about the level of annoyance of a song and the time that it gets stuck in your mind. Just think of Hanson's mbop um, if you need a little reminder of that. So songs have an ability to get stuck in our minds. And there are other songs that get stuck in my mind, too, and I'm guessing probably in your mind as well. Many of these songs we actually write ourselves. Did you know that you were a musician? Some of these songs, many of these songs we write ourselves, we might pick up the themes and the words from the culture around us, but, but we write these songs and we repeat them over and over and over again. They might be songs like, why wasn't I chosen? Why wasn't I invited? Why wasn't I consulted? Why wasn't I promoted? Why didn't they follow my idea? Not unlike a lot of the songs we hear on the radio, there's a theme that keeps popping up, if you heard it. I, 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 my. Why wasn't I chosen? Why wasn't I invited? Why wasn't I consulted? Why wasn't I promoted? Why didn't they follow my idea? And these songs that get stuck on repeat in our minds, they're kind of similar to a real song that I used to play on repeat on my CD player in middle school. Backstreet Boys, any Backstreet Boys fans here? Yes. Remember that song, I Want It That Way? Remember that? I would sing it for you, but I'm a really bad singer, and this whole morning would be ruined if I sing it for you. <laughs> so I want it that way. I used to sing it all the time as a middle schooler. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's the song that often loops through our minds, isn't it? I want it that way. The stanzas are different. I want that job promotion. I want that spot on homecoming court. I want my preference or my opinion to win out. The chorus is always the same. I want it that way. I want it my way. Well, the church in Philippi, the small church to which Paul is writing, has this song stuck in their minds. Uh, 
Hey, Tony, did you grab my sermon PowerPoint? Is it up there by chance? I, I don't need it for a few more minutes. All right, thanks. So the church in Philippi, it's this small church to which Paul is writing. That's the letter that we're reading through the Philippians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to them. They're having a problem that Pastor Brandon mentioned last week. And a lot of the problem is rooting from this fact that they have a similar song stuck in their minds. I want it my way. And this self-focused song is causing for the Philippians all sorts of problems. As Pastor Brandon said, the Philippian church was at this, cho- at this point a church in conflict. They had lost the art of getting along. The congregation had started about 10 years prior to this letter. Ironically, just about the same amount of time that this building with this name, Heartland Community Church, has been around. Just kind of a funny note about Philippians. The danger in Philippi is that several of the people that Paul has heard about have a self-focused song looping in their minds. I want it my way. Pastor Brandon talked about a lot of that last week. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to that sermon. And it's causing all sorts of damage. Damage to their personal relationships, their friendships, their marriages. Damage to their church community as a whole. Most importantly, it's causing damage to their witness to the gospel, to their surrounding community. So Paul wants to teach them a different song. Thank you, Tony. A different song, a better song, a healing song for them to sing. Paul wants to teach them a song that will guide them in the way of Christ. And this is the song that he teaches them. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. You can follow along in your pew Bible if you would like. Hear the word of the Lord. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That is, everyone everywhere. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. This is the song that Paul wants the Philippians to have looping through their minds. This is a song that God wants that small church to tune their lives to. This is a song God wants us to tune our lives to. It's a song that has nothing to do with I, I, my. It's a song with pride or self-interest. Rather, it's a song of humility, of utmost humility, before God. Last week, Pastor Brandon encouraged us to memorize Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. 
Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In our text for this week, verses 5 to 11, the Apostle Paul gives a detailed description of just how to do that, of just how to live in humility. And the way to do that, verse 5, is to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is, we need a mind transplant. We need brain surgery. Anyone here ready for some brain surgery? Yes. He says we need brain surgery. What we need is someone to go in and take out all those damaging cells in our brains. That is those songs about I, I, my. Those are really damaging. We need those taken out. And we need them replaced with a new song. A healing song. A song not about us, but about Christ. That is what we need. Brain surgery for our own healing, for the healing of those around us. So in verses 6 to 11, we find the lyrics to that song. Now, is anyone following along in your Bibles? You might notice something, anything interesting about those verses, 6 to 11. Carolyn, you have yours open. Do you notice anything interesting? Hey, perfect. It is indented, so maybe it came from somewhere. You must have read my script. Perfect. <laughs> but these verses, 6 through 11, they are indented. And you're right, they probably came from somewhere. So they are indented like a poem or a song. It's really probable that, that Paul is drawing these words from a poem or a song that's already in circulation. So many Christian thinkers believe that Paul was quoting a church hymn or a church creed that had been set to poetic rhythm. He's repeating a song. He's repeating a song. Now, why would you set theology to music? Why would you set things to music? Because you want people to remember it, right? Because songs have a way of sticking in our minds. And Paul wants these words to get stuck, permanently stuck in the Philippians' minds to repeat again and again and again. When Paul addresses the church in conflict and tries to teach them the lost art of getting along, he teaches them a song, this Christ song. It is this song alone that can reconcile their friendships and marriages This song alone that can heal their workplaces and family dinner conversations and boardroom meetings. This song alone that can help the church get along so that they can be a witness for Christ. And it is a song not at all about me. It is a song all about Christ and the Christ-like way that we are called to act. So when we're driving to work, when we're sitting down to write that report when we're having lunch with our friend, when we're laying down to sleep, this is the healing song that God wants on repeat in our minds. And here's how the song goes. It's a song of humility. It's a song about Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, 
being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. The song God wants on repeat in our minds is a song of humility. It's a song of the utmost humility of Christ and the humility that we are called to emulate as Christ's followers. Now, when you hear the word humility, what do you tend to think of? Just take a minute, see what you tend to think of when you hear that word. Some people at first think it weak or being a doormat. In fact, in the Roman culture and the time at which Jesus lived, that is kind of what it meant. It it meant to be absolutely defeated. Humiliated is where the same root of this word. Humility was not a good thing in the Roman culture, the time at which Jesus lived. But Jesus changes our idea of humility. Jesus upholds it as the highest virtue. He says, there's, a, there's a, an author called John Dixon who wrote a book called Humilitas, and he defines it like this. Humility is the noble choice to forego your status, to deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. A willingness to hold power in service of others. When you think of humility in the Christ-like sense, think of this definition. This is how God wants us to think about it. You see, humility is not the absence of power. It's the willingness to use your power in service of others before yourself. It's the willingness to use your strong social networks, not to spread gossip or stir up strife, but to build others up. It's the willingness to use your influence not to force your own opinion or your own way, but to promote the good of the weak. It's the willingness to use your financial resources not to accumulate more and more for yourself, but to help others in need. Humility is using your power for the good of others before yourself. The song... Of humility, it, you see, it was far different from the songs looping in the culture surrounding Philippi, as I mentioned briefly. You see, in the Roman Empire of Paul's day, the highest virtue was love of honor, or philotimea. Some might argue that it's not that much different from our Western culture today. It's not that much different from our surrounding culture today. So listen to this. Philotimea was all about me and my status. What is my bloodline? How big is my estate? How much influence do I have? What do other people think about me? Every decision, every relationship, everything was done with this question in mind. Is this going to promote me? Is this going to promote me and my status and my agenda? But you see, the Christian community was different than the surrounding culture. The Christian community, they were called to not be about me and my status. It was following Christ who came to serve, not to be served, to give, not to take, 
It was that way of life that made the Christian community so attractive, so refreshing, such a witness to the world around them. But when they got stuck with the songs of the Roman culture in their mind, they weren't such an effective witness anymore. When they stopped singing the Christ song and they started singing again the songs of me, 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 that's when things started to crumble. So you might consider, if we ever find ourselves looping these songs in our mind, why wasn't I chosen? Why wasn't I invited? Why wasn't I consulted? Why wasn't I promoted? Why didn't they follow my idea? Consider that those songs may be more from the kingdom of Rome and less from the kingdom of Christ. And here's the thing. Paul writes this not to be chastising or to wag a finger, but he wants this church to have healing and life and peace and joy. So he wants them to live according to the kingdom of Christ, the way of Christ, because he knows that this is what will bring them peace and life and joy. This is what will heal them, living according to humility. This is the healing balm they need. And here's why. Pride, which is the opposite of humility, it is very, very damaging. It's like a cancer cell that just spreads all over and destroys us. Pride is so damaging to us and to the people around us. If you want a quick road to destruction, choose pride. Paul knew this, and the rest of the scripture writers know this as well. We read this in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride comes before the fall. God wants to warn about the dangers of pride. Do not underestimate the damage that pride can do. Have any of you ever heard of the seven deadly sins? I know we're getting like, deep here. Don't worry, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it'll bring healing. But have you heard of the seven deadly sins? Anyone? Maybe? Okay. Well, these are sins that over the centuries Christians have identified as being truly damaging, damaging to us and those around us. Um, if you haven't heard of them, these are them. Pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, sloth. These are um, the sins that Christian thinkers have said, be cautious of these. These will cause damage to you and to those around you. Well, also, most Christian thinkers over the centuries have come to the conclusion that pride is actually at the very top of the list. Not only that, but many have called it the very source of all the others. It is out of self-interest, constantly thinking of I, I, my, that all the other vices and crimes are born. So pride is not simply one of the seven deadly sins, but the worst one, the mama which gives birth to all the others. So that's why the scriptural writers went to caution so highly against it. Be careful. Be careful. Just hear what St. Augustine of Hippo wrote about pride in the 4th century. This was long ago, 4th century. Pride is the commencement of all sin. More recently, C.S. Lewis wrote, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state 
of mind. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. That is really serious. Pride, constantly thinking about me, my status, my opinions, my wants, it's really dangerous. Do not underestimate the damage that pride can do. So when you hear those songs looping in your mind, why didn't I get that? Why aren't they following me? Why don't I have that? Why don't I look like that as you scroll through your Facebook feed and see everyone else's pictures of what you want to look like or what you want to have? Stop yourself. Stop and consider which tune you're singing. It's a dangerous tune. Ask the Holy Spirit to tune you into a new song. Ask the Holy Spirit to tune you into this song about Christ. Christ who is not concerned about his own status and reputation. Christ who did not insist on being at the top, but rather made himself nothing. The song about Christ who said, not my will, but yours be done. The song about Christ who gave away everything in service of others. This is the song God wants us to tune our lives to. The song of Christ. The song of humility which leads to complete submission and trust in the Father. The song of humility which takes away our envy and our anger and all these other vices that destroy us and those around us. And ironically, as we keep singing the song, Ironically, in the upside-down kingdom of Christ, this way of life, the way of humility, putting yourself, um, putting others before yourself, is the way that actually leads to exaltation. As the rest of the song tells us, Christ, who gave up everything, this is what God did for him. Therefore, God also highly exalted him. And gave him the name that is above every name. That's my note that I accidentally stuck in there. God the Father elevates God the Son. This is what's happening. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Friends, God exalts the humble. Perhaps not on our own timetable, but one day, God shows favor to the humble. Hear these words from Scripture. James 4, 6, 1 Peter 5, 5. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Proverbs eleven two: When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 13.10, where there is strife, there is pride. Proverbs 16.5, the Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Do not underestimate the damage that pride can do. And do not underestimate the healing power of humility. Pride, it leads to resistance, disgrace, strife, punishment, Humility, 
Humility leads to grace, to lifting up, to wisdom, to peace. God shows favor to the humble. Just imagine on a really practical side, just imagine the peace of mind that would come if when you entered a room, your mind wasn't perpetually filled with thoughts like, do they like my outfit? Does my hair look okay? Did they hear about my accomplishment at work? Should I try to tell them, sneak it into conversation? Do they think I'm smart? Just imagine if your mind wasn't filled with those envious thoughts of, why didn't I get that? Why didn't they follow my idea? Why don't I look like that? Why don't I have that? What if your mind was freed of those thoughts and instead you were able to be interested in the lives interested in the lives of other people. God has made some really beautiful people, and God is doing some really cool things in people's lives. It would be really neat if our minds were free to listen to that. What if your mind had space to look for God all around you instead of taking selfies and examining them and photoshopping them? to instead open your eyes to what God is doing in the world and around you to notice nature, to notice God and other people? What if you had that freedom? What if you were freed not to be so focused on, I want it exactly this way or that way, but instead to be open to what is God doing and how can I participate? Because God's plans are a lot bigger and better than ours. Friends, humility has an amazing way of bringing us up out of very small, restricted bubbles into a beautiful, wondrous world of God. Don't underestimate the healing power of humility. It can heal your soul. It can heal your family, your workplace, your community, a church. So let us learn together to sing a new song, Christ's song, the song of humility. This is the healing tune that can bring peace and joy to our spirits, to our broken relationships, to our world. Let us learn to sing together a new song. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word to us that leads to joy and life and peace. Thank you for the warning words that teach us which way not to go because you care for us and love us and you don't want us to go down roads of destruction. Thank you for your words that show us the path of life. Give us the strength to follow it, to lean into your Holy Spirit's power to help us walk that path, the path of Christ, the path of humility. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.